book of Ecclesiastes. So Ecclesiastes chapter 9, we're looking at verses 1 to 12 uh, this evening. Page 667, Ecclesiastes 9, verses 1 to 12. And when you've got that, uh, can I also draw your attention to the center page of the white bulletin uh, where there is a sermon outline? Uh, you'll see a diagram there. You can ignore the diagram because I won't be referring to it. Uh, but the rest of the outline is relevant, so you might want to have that open with you. Uh, but most importantly, page 667 of the Church Bible, Ecclesiastes 9, 1 to 12. If we've got that, then how about lead us in prayer? And we'll begin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have uh, gathered us together uh, here today as your people around your word. We thank you that you have been speaking to us by your spirit through that word as it's been read and sung. And we pray now that you help us, uh, that you continue to speak to us even as we look at this passage of scripture together. We pray that your spirit who so inspired the preacher to write these words so long ago um, would be working among us now. Uh, may he enable me to preach your word rightly and faithfully in his power. Uh, and may he work in each of our hearts uh, causing us to live for Jesus and for uh, eternity. Uh, so we commit this time to you. Uh, please work among us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It was Benjamin Franklin who said, there is nothing certain except death and taxes. Some people don't pay tax. But everybody dies. And our passage today helps us to live with that reality. The preacher brings us into this topic gently from where we were last week. Uh, in chapter 8, we saw the assertion that we cannot understand what is going on under the sun. There are righteous people that get what ought to be the punishment of the wicked, and wicked people who get what we think ought to be the rewards of the righteous. And no matter how much we try, we won't be able to understand reality. Today's passage opens with the, with the assurance that ought to be a source of comfort in the midst of this. Chapter 9, verse 1. But all this I lay to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. They are in God's hand. God looks after them. God knows. But at this stage, it's hard to work out what that means because that's no guarantee of a happy life. The verse continues. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. Right? You might be righteous, you might be wise, but you don't know whether you'll be loved or hated. And you don't know whether you will love or hate. No guarantees that just because you're a righteous person, you will have good relationships. Being in God's hand doesn't necessarily mean that life is going to be easy. That's tough, but true. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. In fact, what you do know is that your fate in the end is the same as the one who pays no heed to obeying God. Verse 2. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and to the wicked. 
to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. And what is that event? It's death, isn't it? Everybody dies. But there is another thing that's common to everyone before death. It's not taxes, it's sin. Verse 3 continues. Also the hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live and after that they go to the dead. You see, whether you're one of those who are considered righteous and wise or you're one of those who are considered sinners and foolish, actually both ways you sin and you die. Even if you're relatively good, even if you're counted among the the pious, actually, you're still a sinner. Your heart is sinful. You're sinful on the inside. And that sinfulness expresses itself in your thoughts, in your words, in your actions. You sin, and then you die. The wages of sin is death. Everybody sins Everybody dies. So is it better to live or die? Well, some people might say, well, you may as well die now since you're going to die anyway. But the preacher disagrees. Verse 4. But he who is joined with all the living has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Now, in that culture, dogs were not like cute little pets. They they were vile, wild, despised, unclean creatures. And the lion, well, he's the greatest of all beasts. But a dead lion is just a carcass. A dog that's alive is better than a lion that's dead. Or verse 5, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no more reward. For the memory of them is forgotten. Think of all the people who lived 3,000 years ago in the preacher's time. Think of all those people who read his words of wisdom. Some of them would have been great, well regarded, held in awe by the people of their day. Some of them would have been notorious, feared and hated for what they did. Most of them would have been pretty normal. People like you and me with hopes and fears and dreams. All of them are now gone. And no one even knows their names. And soon it will be the same for you and I. We will be forgotten. Everyone who knows us will be forgotten. All that we've done will be forgotten. There'll be no permanent recognition, no reward in terms of honor or fame, no reward in terms of privilege or wealth, no reward in terms of affection and love. Those who love us will be gone, and those who hate us will be gone as well. Those whom we envy and those who envy us will have nothing to envy. Nothing. All gone. Verse 6. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished. And forever 
they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. While you're living, you can still do things. But everybody dies. So how should we respond to this stark reality? Well, in the next section, the preacher gives us the best and wisest response from an under-the-sun perspective. Remember, an under-the-sun perspective is, is a perspective where he doesn't know the gospel. He doesn't know about Jesus' death and resurrection. It's just life now under the sun. Not life without God, but life without the resurrection and the gospel. Here's what he says, verse 7. Go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. You see that? God says it's okay to enjoy your food and your wine. I'm not talking about gluttony or drunkenness. I'm not talking about drinking if you're underage or you lack the self-control not to, not to get drunk or the tendency to alcoholism or if you can stumble a brother or a sister and cause them to fall or all those things. He's talking in generalities. God approves of people enjoying their food and drink. Isn't that good? Now, you don't have to be rich to enjoy your food. Enjoy your nasi lemak, right? Savor the, the rich aromatic rice with a slight plandan flavor and the sambal, which is fiery and yet at the same time sweet, right? I, I had nasi lemak from a stall on the way to church early this morning, right? Cost me a grand total of two ringgit, including ice swamp. You can afford it. And if you can't afford it, come on Wednesday. You can have it for free. Wine, well, more expensive. Enjoy it if you can. Or enjoy a cup of nice coffee. Or you can't afford that. Enjoy a tetare. Some people think that if you enjoy something, then God doesn't really want you to have it. And if you're really spiritual, then you'll abstain from it. Friends, God gives us good things so that we can enjoy them. He approves of you enjoying your food and your drink. He approves of you looking after your appearance. Uh, in verse 8, uh, let your garments always be white, clean clothes. Let oil not be lacking in your head. Olive oil if you're an ancient Israelite, or coconut oil or birrel cream or mousse or gel, depending on whatever generation thinks makes them look smart. It's okay. God approves. If you're married, concentrate on your marriage. You only get one. Make it as good as you can. Share the happiness of life together. Verse 9, enjoy life with a wife whom you love. Look after her. Spoil her a bit. Enjoy with her. From an under-the-sun perspective, that is the best you can do in life. Enjoy life, verse 9, with a wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which God has given you under the sun. Because that is your portion in life. Don't get upset that you won't have a permanent legacy. Don't get sad that you won't live forever under the sun. That is not for you. What you should aim to do is enjoy life with your spouse if you can. That is your reward. That is your highlight. That is your portion. And not only take joy in life, but also, at the end of verse 9, in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Enjoy your work. Now, learn to take pleasure in what you do, whether it's paid or unpaid. And the best way to enjoy it is to work hard at it. Verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, 
For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Sheol is the grave, and that's where you're going to be soon. From an under-the-sun perspective, it's a dead end, pun intended. You can't work there, you can't learn there, you may as well work hard and learn lots while you're here. You see, the preacher's not really a pessimist, is he? He's a wise realist. He doesn't say like some people, life sucks and then you die. He's not saying everything is vanity, so just die. He's not saying everything is vanity, so be really depressed about it. He's saying everything is vanity, so make the best of it. God approves of you doing so. Enjoy your food, enjoy your wine, enjoy life with your wife, enjoy your work and work hard at it. Appreciate everything you have as God's blessing to you, and then you die. Everybody dies. That's a much wiser way of living, isn't it? Having given the wisest response under the sun, the preacher returns to the problem. Because even if you take his advice, you still die in the end. It doesn't actually solve the problem. And you can die any time because life is unpredictable. Verse 11. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle of the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. It's true, isn't it? You can be very smart and then fail the exam because you read the question wrong. You can be in the C class of art stream in school and end up doing really, really well in your business when you come out. You can be a brilliant professional in your own field, but then lose all your retirement savings in a silly investment or scam. Or you can be an average civil servant and discover the house you bought on government loan many years ago when you were young has so greatly appreciated in value that when you come to sell it, you are rich overnight. The future is not really predictable. There is always this element of time and chance. We've already seen, however, that the one thing that is predictable is death. Everybody dies. Yet even death is not predictable because you never know when you're going to die. Verse 12, for man does not know his time. Like fish that are taken in an evil net, like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. You could be driving home from church today when you meet with an accident, or you might live for many years to come. You simply don't know. But what you do know is that in the end, everybody dies. And the best advice from an under-the-sun perspective is to enjoy life with gratitude to your Creator. But friends, we don't just live under the sun, do we? We know far more than the preacher 
because we live on the other side of the coming of Christ. Christ Jesus has come. He has not only died for our sins, but he has risen from the dead. And we know that one day he will raise us as well. And we know that he will be the one to judge every single man, woman, and child who has ever lived. And so now we know that, well, at one level, whether we die on the way home tonight or we live another 50 years is not such a big deal. Because while everybody dies, death is not the end. Everybody dies, but everyone doesn't suffer the same fate after death. For the New Testament tells us in Hebrews 9.27 that it is appointed for man once to die and after that to face judgment. And those who belong to Christ will escape God's final punishment and be with Jesus and his people in the new creation and that is only because Jesus has died in their place. He has taken their sin for them, their punishment for them, and they are forgiven through him. But those who remained outside of Christ will have to face God the judge on their own. And because everybody sins, justice will lead to condemnation. If you are someone who trusts in Jesus as your Lord, you can face death with confidence because you know that you have eternal life with Jesus in glory. And not only that, you know that your life here has meaning and purpose that is far more significant and far more worthwhile than pursuing your own fame and legacy, which we've seen is going to disappear anyway. In fact, it is far more worthwhile than even pursuing the enjoyment of life. Because you have an eternal perspective. And from an eternal perspective, what we enjoy now is less important than what we enjoy eternally. Treasure in heaven is more important than treasure on earth. God and his kingdom are more important than our pleasure. The salvation of others must be more important than my own satisfaction. The fact that the gospel needs to go out to the nations is more important than our enjoyment. And so we are willing to make sacrifices for the long term, the very long term. We are willing to prioritize the eternal over the temporal, as we'll see in our collect a little bit later on. Things that last forever over things that will disappear like the mist. We are willing to exchange what we cannot keep for that which we cannot lose. That is why there are so many people in this room tonight who will gladly sacrifice time and effort and money for the sake of the kingdom. We may sometimes miss out on enjoyments now for the sake of the gospel, but we have eternity to enjoy God and his gifts. We may sometimes choose to enjoy simpler things over luxurious ones now so that we might share with others. And we will work hard for the sake of the kingdom. When we get to heaven, we won't get a chance to evangelize the lost or to help our brothers and sisters persevere to the end in following Christ. We've got to do that now while we can. Enjoy kingdom work 
while you can. And yet in the midst of this, there will be trouble. That's, that's normal as well. We have brothers and sisters who will face persecution. Might be some of us. We have brothers and sisters who might be kidnapped or disappear. Might even be killed for following Jesus. But we'll be willing to take that risk and give our lives. Something that would make no sense if under the sun was all there is. But we know that everybody dies. Might as well die for something that lasts forever. Live for the eternal kingdom where you truly belong. And while we live for the future, we also live in the present. And there is still much godly wisdom here in Ecclesiastes for living in the here and now. We can still enjoy life even though that enjoyment is vanity and will disappear. In 1 Timothy 4, the Spirit predicted that false teachers would arise and forbid marriage and require abstinence from certain foods. But the Apostle Paul says, no. Everything created by God is good. Reject nothing. Just receive it from God with thanksgiving. In 1 Timothy 6.17, the Apostle Paul tells us that God has given us everything to enjoy. Enjoy what you can in God's creation. Try to enjoy your work if you can, whether it's balancing the books or collecting the rubbish. It's a good thing if you can enjoy your work. But as you seek to enjoy various things, don't expect to enjoy things perfectly or to enjoy all the time or not to have frustrations about things that you're wanting to enjoy. Our enjoyment won't be full because everything is affected by sin. But enjoy what you can. Enjoy your food, enjoy your drinks, enjoy looking smart, enjoy life with your spouse, enjoy work, relationships, the projects you make up. But when you do it, be very aware that these are gifts from a good God. Don't seek to enjoy things without reference to their giver. That is why you thank God for your food every time you eat. When you enjoy the creation and do so with gratitude in your heart to the creator, you bring glory to him. He is a good creator. But So as you enjoy thankfully, always look beyond the gifts to the giver. And cultivate a deeper joy in him than in his gifts. Rejoice in the Lord more than you rejoice in food or drinks or clothing or relationships or work. Prize him. Value him above all else. Seek first his kingdom. And all the other things, food, drink, clothes, will be added to you. And so you see, friends, if you belong to Jesus, you have an eternal perspective that modifies the preacher's wisdom. Preacher's wisdom here is still valid, still good for us to enjoy under the sun. It's just that we've got a bigger perspective because of Jesus. We don't despise the joys of this life. We are grateful for them. 
but we are far more focused on God and his eternal kingdom. And like Jesus, we are willing to suffer now and even to miss out on enjoyment now for the joy that is set before us at the resurrection. And we live this life not for pleasure, but for him. Well, that's if you're a believer. What about if you're not a believer? What if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus yet? What is this passage saying to you? Well, you have a decision to make. Are you going to follow Jesus or will you not? Will you let him be your Lord? Will you trust him to forgive your sin through his death on the cross? Or will you not? If you're not going to follow Jesus, then you have no hope for an eternal future. The best you can do is to enjoy life now as much as you can. Enjoy your food, enjoy your drink, enjoy relationships, enjoy work if you can, because it's all going to end soon. Everybody dies. The net will come. The snare will appear in your path and death will suddenly take you away where you will face God's judgment and condemnation forever. Please, would you reconsider? But if you're going to follow Jesus, then your whole perspective changes. You know you'll be saved in the end and be in glory with him. And so you live this life for him and not for yourself. You still enjoy life as much as you can in thankfulness to him, but you've got this much bigger view. And your reward is not just enjoying life now, much more than that. You'll enjoy God himself forever. Friends, everybody dies. But follow Jesus, who died and rose again. That is the best way to live this short life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for warning us from your word today that death is coming to us all and that it's unpredictable. Uh, please help us to make the best of this life. Please help us to enjoy the gifts that you give us with gratitude in our hearts to you, knowing that you're a good God who gives good gifts. And help us to love you and serve you in light of eternity. Help us to prioritize Jesus and his gospel in response to the wonderful grace that you've shown us in him. We pray that anyone here who has not yet turned to Christ would do so soon so that they too will have eternal life with you. And we pray that all of us who trust in Christ will hold on to the eternal perspective 
will keep being willing to sacrifice now in light of the end. And whatever we do, in word or deed, may we do it for your glory. And we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.